welcome to the Health Tech Podcast. Here we talk about everything healthcare and technology, and I'm your host, James Somaru. So if you're a teenager, or if you have teenage kids, or if you've ever been a teenager, you will know that it is a really weird, tough part of life where your body's going through loads of changes, you've got all these skin issues and health issues and different things going on. And what would you do right now? You'd probably search on YouTube, TikTok, one of these social media platforms for the answer. Some of those are regulated to an extent, at least internally. Things like YouTube have got the health shelf where priority content's going up so you know that what you're getting is accurate. But things like TikTok really aren't. And in a world where it's so easy for teenagers to basically search on TikTok for something to do with their health, get fed, user-generated content that is completely incorrect, it is a really tough world, I think, for teenagers right now. My guest today is the founder of a company called Luna. And Luna, reading from their website, is a safe space for teens to learn new things, ask questions, and track how they feel because health and well-being aren't always taught or talked about, or certainly not in the right way. And that's the problem that they solve. And so it's an app that sits on your phone, you go into it, you've got lots of content on there that is TikTok style, um, but actually accurate and written by medics, written by experts, whether that's psychology, whether that's uh, physical health, all of those different things. Um, it's actually combating all of that misinformation and delivering exactly what people want and what they need. Their user reviews are insanely good. Like it is awesome what this is doing for teenagers' lives. And I think honestly, the world in general, I think this is the sort of thing that you could see would be applicable to every teenager on earth, would be in every language on earth, and basically empowers those teenagers to learn about their health, learn about themselves, and be engaged with digital health in a positive way. They can start to track things, they can start to understand things, and essentially the goal for Luna is to become this trusted brand in a world of information all over the place. Can you set yourself up as a trusted brand so that every teenager on earth can look to you when they actually have a health question and they can ask it anonymously, they can get an answer and everyone can see those answers. And so it's a community where everyone can learn. I think it's an incredibly noble thing to do. It's a really interesting company. Um, and Joe is ex-Deloitte, did an MBA, MBA at Oxford, certainly knows a thing or two around business. Um, but yeah, first foray into true entrepreneurship. So um, yeah, certainly not doing badly for a first go. Uh, yeah, I hope you enjoy this one, guys. Also, Joe, welcome to the Health Tech Podcast. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. And thank you very much for having me. You are very welcome. You're very welcome. Looking forward to having you on. This is going to be relatively unique in that teen health is not something that I was definitely something I've not covered on this podcast. And it's not the most common type of startup that you see, particularly in digital health. So very much looking forward to getting into this with you. Um, and obviously, you yourself have got an interesting background from Deloitte to everything you're doing now and everything in between. So yeah, looking forward to this one, Joe. Um, and the way we start these is for you to tell your story. So let's just get into it. Uh, yeah, what makes you you and how do you get to being the founder of Luna and doing everything that you're up to now? Sure, happy to happy to share that. So I was um, originally, well, originally from Yorkshire. I was brought up on a farm, so very much a oh, outdoorsy nice. uh, type person. Yeah, so actually living in London is uh, very different to farm life in in Yorkshire. <laughs> I did um, did young enterprise actually at school, so um, it's we were in sixth form, and it was one of those ones where you have a, a year to kind of put a business together. And I loved that. I really enjoyed it. Um, we actually took our team to the national finals. So we were in the top 12 um, companies in the UK for our year, which was awesome. And we got to meet Jason Robinson, of all people, who was like <laughs> at, the, at the ceremony presenting the awards. Excellent. Not really sure why, but, you know, great day, great night out. Um, 
And yeah, I think that sparked something in me that I thought, you know, one day I want to have my own business properly and and run a business as such. Um, but went off to university, went to Exeter University, and again didn't really know, didn't really have a specific in, thing in mind that I wanted to do. I was not really like I want to be a doctor or I want to be a dentist or anything like that. So I did a business and management degree because I thought you know, young enterprise, and it's a bit sort of capsule, you do a bit of accounting, a bit of marketing, a bit of sales, all that kind of thing. And had a great three years there, learnt a lot, but also left at the end of it thinking, I still don't really know what I want to do. Do I want to go into finance? Do I want to go into marketing? So applied to a few different like grad schemes and actually ended up at Deloitte on their management consulting grad scheme. And specifically within the finance sector, essentially. So I um, joined Deloitte in 2012. Yeah, gosh, 2012 now. And um, had, you know, five really, really good years there. It really did teach me a lot of the sort of, I suppose, like the grounding that you need in terms of the setting up a business. Because as a management consultant, you kind of get helicoptered into various different businesses, work on projects for a set amount of time. So for me, it was anywhere between sort of six months to 18 months was one of my longest projects because um, I was doing lots of like finance transformation is what they called. So you'd work with like essentially the CFO and their team in, in that business, whichever you one you're in. So I got exposed to lots of different businesses. Um, you know, from everything to like the Ministry of Defence um, here in London and in, in Bristol um, to Rolls-Royce up in Derby. Oh, nice. So, yeah, I lived in Derby in a holiday inn for 18 months. Oh, <laughs> I was I was beautiful. sold the project. It was going to be, I know, it was going to be three months and that's it. And I thought I can do three months in a holiday inn, but it was 18 months. So I have like lifetime gold status or something there now from all of those oh, points excellent. which is a, a, perk of, a perk of the job um i did med school in nottingham so i actually spent time in derby at the uh derby royal infirmary the hospital there so uh oh no I way probably, i probably know the holiday that you're talking about actually <laughs> yeah it's the one right in the center like literally slap bang in the center it's, um, <laughs> near the pure gym that was about the only other nice. place i visited nice. <laughs> So yeah, so I spent five years at Deloitte. I actually trained as a management accountant with them. So I did three years. So I left uni thinking, I'm done with exams, whoopee-doo. And then I did three more years of exams um, doing the SEMA management accounting qualification. So I think at the time I thought, you know, that will give me a good, um, you know, really good understanding and grasp of like finance and how numbers work, et cetera. And obviously Deloitte supported us through that, which was which was great. And yeah, after five years, I was on the verge of like, do I stay? And like, is this is this me for life now? Am I going to be a Deloitte partner or do I want to go and do something different? And for me, obviously, it was the, the do something different route. And what that turned out to be, I actually went to work for Johnny Bowden, who is the um, entrepreneur who's behind the fashion retailer and, and fashion brand Bowden. So it was a really interesting time and um, they just brought in a new CEO and I got to work with her and her um, sort of C-suite team and really sort of went from a massive, massive corporation that is Deloitte to obviously a much smaller one, but still, you know, well, much bigger than Luna is right now. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, at the time there was about 500 people um, at Bowdoin. And yeah, I had a really great two years. It felt like very different to Deloitte, but it was very much working in sort of strategy and working out how we're going to launch like new big projects and things like that. So yeah, I had a great time. And that was, I left Bowdoin just pre-COVID. I feel like I preempted COVID in the fact that it was December 2019. And I actually went back to my parents in Yorkshire, um, which obviously was a a godsend when COVID came along a few months later because they had the farm to be outside oh, wow. on and stuff like that. So um, that was a yeah a weird like a, a a weird thing that happened in the universe. I feel like yeah. where I was just like I have to go back to Yorkshire. <laughs> 
Um, And I went back. Yeah, I went back because I decided that, you know, I'd again kind of got to the point with Bowdoin where I was like, I want to do something different. And this is where I really thought I wanted to do something more entrepreneurial. And so I actually applied to go back to university. So I went back to um, Oxford University in September 2020. So right in the pandemic, actually, it was uh, the pandemic year, but it was to do um, an MBA. So kind of a a business degree on steroids for the year. Mm-hmm. And um, I met an, an amazing you know, cohort of people there. And we re- really had a great year despite sort of COVID. And yeah, one of the best things that came out of it was I met, you know, one of my best friends, Jazz, who is also now my co-founder, and we started Luna. So the idea for Luna came about uh, on the MBA, which because one of the modules that you have to do is called the Entrepreneurship Project. So I describe it as a bit like a cross between Dragon's Den meets The Apprentice. So it's like the mm. the bit of The Apprentice where they all run around like headless chickens being like, what are we going to do? What business are we going to do? And then at the end of term, we had to pitch this business idea to a panel of investors. So like Dragon's Den style. And they were real investors from real VCs, real angel investors. And we pitched this idea for Luna. It's massively evolved since then, but the concept was pretty much um, the same. And they were actually um, on the panel, the, the, the angels and the VCs that turned around and said, this is actually a really good idea. Like we see pitch decks all the time, but this is mm-hmm. really interesting. Is, is, is anyone going to take it forward? And this was in May 2021. And I think that was where it sort of gave me the inkling that actually maybe there's something in this. Maybe this is the idea that I've been waiting for probably since Young Enterprise, but, you know, never had another idea that I, you know, I was sort of had that kind of, well, passion for, but also the kind of Mm. external belief from someone else that it is possible to do. So over the summer of 2021, just before we graduated, I um, convinced Jazz that this was something we needed to do. And um, yeah, she was fully on board. And um, we started you know, Luna, we incorporated in 1st of September 2021. So coming up to two years now, and we basically graduated in the October and pretty much set to work straight away, just the two of us. Um, and a £20,000 grant, actually, that we won, which, in all honesty, I don't know if we hadn't have won that grant back then, whether we actually would have taken the plunge because obviously it's one <laughs> thing for an investor to say oh this is a great idea but it was like actually another thing to be like well how are we going to do this like we've yeah. just spent an awful lot of money on business school fees we could walk out of here <laughs> with very nice salaries like all of our friends <laughs> were doing they were all getting amazing jobs yeah it was a bit like how are we actually going to fund this and so again another sort of blessing from the universe that this sort of £20,000 grant kind of kicked us off and allowed us to, um, yeah, really go out and and give it a go. And, and here we are now, sort of two years later, with a team of seven and a half, shall we say, nice. and um, an app on the App Store that's been app of the day twice already. Wow. Um, what an incredible story. And oh, that's lovely to hear. It's in, your background's really interesting because it seems like you've been this kind of business generalist like the whole time. And then you had this period of working really close with the C-suite, Johnny Bowden, and being right, really close to the action, I guess, in a smaller company, which is sort of, I guess, giving you confidence and giving you learning of, of being closer to the founder, the CEO, that kind of thing. But yeah, it seems like you've really learned like the first principles of business there to then apply it to something in something completely different, right? Like it seems like your journey through Deloitte and through finance and through Bowdoin and 
doing an MBA and all that stuff is like you've amassed this kind of very general but very broad knowledge of business that you can then wait for like that spark and you talked about like ideas needing to be passion and needing to also be practicality of like is it going to work and I guess having that broad base of knowledge of business overall means that you can I suppose wait for the idea and wait for that perfect thing to come along well it's never perfect is it but um yeah that that is quite interesting if if you'd agree yeah absolutely and um yeah maybe looking back that was kind of sort of um subconsciously my plan all along in terms of I don't know like like you say collecting all of these quite very valuable experiences for someone who wants to set up a a business because Mm -hmm. I think really along the way I've definitely learned so much even just from um, things like at Deloitte you know it was drilled into everyone especially at the analyst level about how you know how to make slide decks look really good and interesting and you know I, I think I think at the time we just sort of took it for granted but actually when you leave and you see people that create slide decks that have perhaps haven't been through that kind of sort of very intense training, you know, it really does show. And and we both, Jazz and I, were Deloitte consultants, weirdly at the same time, but we never actually met whilst we were there. But yeah, so we had, you know, I think we got really great training, especially to the analyst program, which sort of last two years at, at Deloitte, um, into everything from building slideshows presentations but to like excel modeling as well and all of these have come in handy you know as you're starting a business you have to model out your sort of costs and revenues and things like that and putting a pitch to get pitch deck together sorry for investors is really important and if it's really ugly like investors are just not going to look at it because everyone you know wants them to look nice and when you present them as well, like it has to be impactful. So yeah, I definitely think um, we picked up a lot of skills from from all the places that we've worked. And yeah, as well with the MBA, one of the, um, one of the modules we did was called entrepreneurial finance. So kind of the, the finance side of, of startups, which was essentially introducing us to VCs and VC funding and how all of that works, which nice. before going to Oxford, I had, no idea. I yeah. I don't think I'd even heard the term startup yeah. really before um, before going there. So so yeah, it was. Um, I do think along the way we've definitely picked up really useful skills and experiences that have kind of contributed to to where we are now. Nice. So Luna comes a little bit out of left field this almost in the story because nothing in your background has been healthcare so far, but then or even teens and teen mental health and that kind of thing so yeah it comes a little bit out of left field so tell me about getting the idea for Luna and what that initial idea was that you presented at the MBA yeah definitely and completely agree fully left field never had any um, experience with medicine or anything like that before but um, the idea basically came about on this entrepreneurship project we were a team of five women and um, all from different places across the world and we were discussing one night like sort of discussing ideas for this project but also just general chat as well and um, one of the topics we we sort of got onto eventually was talking about either female health issues that we were having or our friends were having or our sisters were starting to have um, and we were all in our late 20s at the time and the sort of consensus was that no matter in the world where we were from, even in our late 20s, we were like, why did no one tell us about this when we were younger? Like, you know, we had friends who were being diagnosed with PCOS or endometriosis. And, you know, there was some in the group who, you know, didn't know what the symptoms were. Like, how do we know what what we should be looking out for? And how come it's taken so long to get a diagnosis? Like, should we have said something earlier like we've been through our 20s like managing pain symptoms managing different skin symptoms and you know it was just unanimous that we just thought it's so strange that no one's ever taught us this before because it's how how else would you know and you know we remember our so jazz and i you know remember our pshe lessons in school so when we were sort of 11 12 
13 years old. And, you know, it was so, so basic and so just not relevant, really. But actually, it really did fail us in terms of once we'd left school and gone to university and in our 20s and you start thinking about, um, you know, your longer term sort of fertility and just managing different symptoms that you think, like, wouldn't it have been easier if someone had just taught us this when we were younger? So we knew what we were looking out for. And so, yeah, we, you know, did a quick scan of like the PSHE um, curriculum today. And shockingly, it literally hasn't changed in the sort of nearly 20 years that, that Jazz and I were at school. And the thing is, what's even worse now is that when we were at school, there was no such thing as social media. Like we didn't have really anywhere to go, which was obviously part of the problem. But I think the bigger part of the problem now is that teens and preteens have somewhere to go, which is the internet, which is social media. And as we all know, it is full of misinformation, which is not only just incorrect, it's often damaging, it's toxic. You know, you only have to look at the stats to see the sort of mental health problems that are coming out now in the younger generations and how it correlates so nicely with the rise of social media and you just yeah. think TikTok we've we've spoken to thousands of teenagers now and TikTok is their number one search engine mm. for everything so whether it's periods or skincare or mental health or sleep or stress anxiety they go there first and TikTok is anyone. Anyone can make a TikTok about periods. Anyone can make a TikTok about anxiety or mental health. And, you know, we just, you know, you take one look of it, you know, which we, we did in our research when we started this. And there's videos, um, one in particular, which really gets us every time. It's so uh, like distressing the fact that there's there's videos out there if you type in things like period hacks that tell girls that they can stop their period by taking a shot of lime juice salt and tagine powder and this girl does it on camera like she, she'll run away she takes this shot apparently and mm. comes back and says it's worked mm. and that has literally like 30 million views and when we speak to teenagers about this video and others in particular about like weight loss and body image, you know, when you say, what would you think of these? They're just like, it's true, isn't it? Like, mm. yeah, that's right, isn't it? Like they believe it because at 13 years old, why, why would you not believe it? Because essentially they, they're watching adults creating these videos and all adults in their life up until that point have probably never really lied to them like their parents mm. their guardians their teachers so why would someone on the internet be lying to me and that's you know where really the idea came from because we just thought you know we suffered our generation of of women because of the sort of lack of information about our bodies and our health and our well-being and we now don't want to see another generation and more suffer because of just the misinformation now that they're they're watching and consuming on a daily basis. And yeah. I think it's so scary, like what they're learning through TikTok, um, which, you know, anyone mm. can create content about anything and they do. Mm. It is frightening. The the sort of misinformation pandemic is is so bad and you're absolutely right like w when you're from my world and our world of healthcare you know i was a doctor for a, for a few years and ever since i've been in sort of health and technology where regulation is still very much a part of if you're going to create something and give it to patients it needs to be regulated and so my framework is always like making sure everything is evidence-based and regulated and so whenever i see this sort of thing like i have this almost like visceral like reaction where i am like physically cringing because it is just so damaging and i can feel and see that it's so damaging because you're absolutely right it is influential they are defined as influencers they influence the behavior of yeah. those that watch it when you see things you'd like 30 million times 
it's not only frustrating, yeah. but it's it's sort of like it's it's saddening and it's it it's really deflate. I find it really deflating actually that it's sort of like because I'm also in the communication game as well. So this is my world of mm. content and making sure the right things are seen by the right people to influence the right actions. And it's this thing of like, unless we really get a handle on this, I don't quite know where this ends. And I know that I've had, I've had Vishal from YouTube on this podcast before and, or from YouTube health and they've created the health shelf and they're doing, you know, approved creators and approved information to go on that health shelf and to be promoted upwards to push misinformation downwards. And it's a strange line between that and censorship as well. And you don't want to fall into that, Mm. but how do you make sure the right information is promoted and that kind of thing? It's incredibly difficult. And it feels like to me that I've seen Luna before, before you've come on today and before we've spoken, like I've, I've seen Luna before. And actually one thing that I think is the answer is I think ultimately it's brand. And I think where a trust, Mm -hmm. if a brand can build trust with a cohort of people, i.e. teenagers, if that brand has trust and that brand is centralizing and curating certain content, then at least Mm -hmm. in the absolute ocean of stuff that is happening and content that is being created, if we can build trust between this brand and this audience, then this audience will go to this brand for their information. So the win for me seems to be this. It's not only about curating the information and resting on your laurels there. I do think the responsibility is around the brand that you create to make it trusted and everything that you need to do as a brand to become trusted in that in that cohort. But I guess that's what you guys Mm. are doing. So do you want to explain what Luna practically is, what the product is and what you guys are trying to achieve? Yeah, absolutely. And all of the above is exactly what we are trying to do. So um, we have created Luna, which is the world's first digital health companion specifically for teens. So we only really service the the teen age group. And how we do that is through um, content. So we have a section called Luna Learns, which is where um, our users can watch um, really short videos, you know, very much TikTok style, Um, and read short articles, but all of the content is created by our in-house team and they are all experts, mostly medics, so Mm. mostly junior doctors, GPs, gynecologists, psychologists, but yeah, all experts. So there's no user-generated content on the platform Mm. and we cover a range of topics. So we're not just like a period app. We cover everything from periods and hormones, which start at very much the basic because, you know, we get so many questions in from teenagers Mm. asking about like, when will I get my first period? What will it feel like? And these are kind of so basic questions that, you know, teenagers are being failed on. And so we cover topics such as periods and hormones, but everything from like skin and skincare, hair care, Mm. sleep, stress, mental health, exercise, nutrition, body positivity, confidence, even things like friendships and relationships, because it's all part of growing up and they're all interlinked. So your mental health will be affected by your friendships and your relationships, Mm. you know, which will also affect your periods and your hormones. So it's about learning from a young age how all that works, but learning Mm. in a safe and positive space, which is all the content, like I say, is created by our experts. We also have Ask Luna. So this is where we have the same amazing bunch of um, experts who create the content. They answer anonymous questions that come through Ask Luna. So all users can submit um, a question on any of these kind of topics. And we do get everything from real essays, like my friend has fallen out with me and she said this and she said Mm. that and he said that, what do I do? But all the way through to, you know, like I said, the basics of like, what will it feel like when I get my first period? How will I know what what should I do? Um, And to date, we've only, well, we launched on the app stores now about seven months ago and Mm -hmm. we've had about 13,000 questions in so far from teens and I know it's amazing like there's it's 
you know, we've been told by so many people, like, won't people just run out of questions? And it's amazing how they just don't dry up. Every single day we will have, you know, potentially up to like 100 of questions that have come in through the day and, and overnight. And um, the, the thing is, they're posted back on the app for everyone to see. So obviously all anonymous, but the response is there for everyone to read. So not only does that make the, you know, the community feel well, like there is this community without it being an open chat, but also it makes them feel normal. It makes them feel like, oh, I'm not weird for asking that. Like I wanted to ask that question, but actually someone else has. So that's not weird to be thinking that. And um, it's amazing how many of our users say that actually reading other people's questions and answers is their favorite feature. So that's the second thing. The third thing is we have the Lunar Shop. So we've partnered with some brands um, who have got like specific teen um, products. So period care, hair care, skin care for um, specific discounts that we can share with our users. And then the last thing is the Lunar Tracker. So going back to our very, very, very original conversation as a group of five when we were talking about you know, um, female health issues that we were having or our friends were having and actually not knowing what the symptoms were and not knowing what was normal and what wasn't normal and actually not having anywhere to track these kind of things, even if we, you know, even if we did know kind of thing. So we've created the Lunar Tracker, which is very simple. Obviously, there's lots of period trackers out there, but What's different about ours is that we don't, because we focus on teens, we don't mention fertility. We don't mention, you know, this is the best time to get pregnant, you know, like lots of apps do, you know, menopause and things like that. We are just very much entry level, the basics. And, you know, you come in in the morning, you track how you're feeling. It's literally range of different emotions. You can track your skin, you can track what pain, if you're bleeding, and then your sleep as well. So we literally ask five things. And what we're trying to, you know, make our users understand is that it's really important to start doing this from a young age. So, you know, once your periods have settled and you are into more of a rhythm with them, you'll have that information then if something looks abnormal to go to your doctor and you'll be empowered then to say, look, I've been tracking this for a few years now and this is now not normal for me. Because often, you know, we go to our doctors and that's the first thing they'll say is like, oh, go away for a few months and and, and track, you know, your cycle and, and come back when you've got that data. So we want our users from, you know, as soon as they start their period and even before, because you can still track your emotions and how you're feeling and understand your own triggers as, as soon as you as soon as you get the app so um so yeah that's that is in a nutshell what what Luna is and and what what our teens can do I absolutely love this for so many different reasons but you know I think back to my own childhood and adolescence and moving into adulthood and what one of the things I like about this is that it, it treats teens like adults and not in a bad way it treats them like adults in a good way in that it's trusts that they are going to ask questions that deserve an answer it trusts that they are in a world where they are flooded with too much information and this is an outlet for them to use it trusts well it empowers them the about their health as well mm -hmm. it, it it i suppose gets them on yeah. that journey of interacting with digital health products in a positive way as well in that as you say this yeah. isn't this isn't flow or clue or anything like that that's good that's going to be for later on but this is going to tell them what they need to know and actually i think as more empowered teens about their health more knowledgeable because they're craving the knowledge clearly because they're seeing these yeah they really misinformation are. things going on but also I can remember being in the dark myself about my own health with dermatological stuff or this, that, and the other, like all the usual stuff that happens, but like you are just in mm. the dark and you're in an age of so much information that is available to you in different ways through search engines and through everything else that, that exists. And so I think it is incredibly challenging, particularly where those searches 
often return the most extreme or the most this or the most that, or as you say yeah. on TikTok, could return literally anything from a misinformation perspective as well. Yeah. And so I think it is, it's, this feels like a really important almost movement that you'll be sort of spearheading here as one of the first through the door, if not the first through the door of like, what are the, these initial uh, digital health products, apps, et cetera, that, that get people interacting with this stuff in the right way. So I guess my question here is like, from a, you've had 13,000 questions go through. Yes, it's early days, seven months in, et cetera, but you must now be looking at a couple of different things. I'm interested in what, what are the genuine benefits that you're actually seeing? What metrics do you track from a user perspective of like, what are the benefits to those teens going through? Is there a benefit to them and their health at the time? Is it that they benefit and by a, a graduation to adulthood in a better way? Or So what are those benefits there? But also I can see in the way that you've set this company up that there's almost like a funnel of sort of the free stuff into the paid stuff. And you're collecting even from those 13,000 questions, some really valuable data on what teens are thinking, feeling, mm-hmm. asking as well. And there's clearly some data from the tracking as well that can play later down the line. So I guess my two questions are what are the benefits to the users? And I guess from a business perspective, yeah, what's the, what's the win there? Like what's the future there for you? How are you setting this up and why? Yeah, really, um, two really good questions. And the first one, I suppose the benefit, I think for that, I would just like urge people and urge everyone to check out our app store reviews. Like what Mm. I find amazing is that this is a generation which obviously for a lot of them, they're digital natives, essentially. They were born with smartphones in their hands, basically. And actually putting like, you know, writing a long essay about why they love Luna is is not is not what you'd expect of them. But honestly, if you just look at some of the app store reviews, we've had reviews thing and messages in saying like this app has changed my life. Like I now have somewhere to go to speak and 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 understand myself um, from both a mental health perspective. So the reason why we started, because the platform currently is is really aimed at, at girls and non-binary teens, like anyone who menstruates essentially. And that's not to say we don't have um, boys on the platform as well, but the, the content is very much geared um, towards them. And the reason why we started with that was obviously our own personal experience, you know, being five women when we first came up with the idea, but also the stats that show girls and non-binary teens are three times more likely by the age of 18 to suffer from a severe mental health um, issue compared to their male counterparts. And, you know, that is just incredible, like those stats. And I think that combined with social media and the pressures and the body image and even COVID, you know, I think has exacerbated that so much that actually if we can, and I know we do, are helping these teens in various ways of educating them. So, you know, we've had messages in saying PSHE at school doesn't cover any of this, like, thank you so much. But also just the confidence aspect, like body confidence, body positivity, understanding that like, you know, what they're thinking is even normal and just normalizing, you know, things like periods and sex and hormones, which are the kind of topics at that age, which are mm. cringe. Like everyone remembers it. <laughs> like it, they're not the kind of topics that, you know, were openly talked about. And we want to be that sort of safe and positive space, which they can, our users can just learn in their own time and, and have somewhere where they need to ask these questions. So yeah, in terms of like how we how we measure our success is is very much that it's like the the positive impact that we're creating on these users. And for us personally, I obviously love reading the app store reviews, but we also have in the app a feedback box where we just say to users like send us your feedback. Like often they'll be finding bugs for us, um, but anything else like it will be you know request for new content. But lots of times it's just very positive feedback saying how much you know they love the app and I've only just found that this app but I wish I'd had it years ago like I love it so much and it's connected to one of our slack channels and honestly it's just like 
popping off like literally Mm -hmm. all day every day which is amazing like we have a sort of real direct line of communication with with Mm. these teams and we use that then to kind of constantly improve the features and add new um add new features add new content to the app so um so i i really do hope like you said it is the sort of start of this movement because um i think there's obviously benefits society wide and to this sort of community at large but you know from a business point of view as well like we we went to business school jazz and i you know we we're not a charity and we're not a not for profit like we also know that this is a a really untapped space and you know there's money to be made and there is um you know there is a real business here and you know obviously we've got investors now who believe in us and back us as well and they can see that so you know the future for us is is huge i think the potential is really there because as you said this this space um this audience is really untapped and i think the future benefits of exactly as you say sort of attracting an audience at this age you know for a business will kind of um you know they reap the benefits in in the long term and we will always be a um an app focused on teens and teen well-being teen health everything to do with being a teenager but you know in the future we would obviously love to help parents as well like we've had so many so many parents come up to us and say basically you know when when i had my child as a baby there was so much support out for there for me like i there was baby classes there was visits from the the midwife and the doctors and there was books and all of this but now my baby's a teenager and it's a very different ball game and I have absolutely no idea what they're doing. Um, I'm mm. so worried for them being on the internet. Like there's no manual for having, obviously there's no manual for having baby, but there's there's a lot more help out there. And there are so many parents out there that are crying out for help. And I really do think we have, well, we've got 25,000 downloads now of the app and that is a real source of information about teenagers and what they're thinking what they're feeling and also how they want to speak to their parents on these topics because going back to the sort of awkwardness factor you know Mm. they want to talk to their parents but it's like how do you approach them we get so many questions in saying how should I ask my mum about this like can you give me some tips on asking my parents about that and you know I think there's definitely something there in the future as well for for Luna to really help parents with navigate this kind of new age of of having a teenager because when you know when my mum and dad you know were looking after me as a teenager they obviously didn't have to deal with the snapchats and the tiktoks Mm. of the world whereas as soon as you send your child to secondary school even if you as a parent haven't given them a smartphone they will have Mm. access to one in the playground and have access to the whole of the internet and I know obviously lots of parents think that they won't and they'll be shielded by it. But as yeah. soon as they get to the playground yeah. in secondary school, it is just open to everything. Yeah. And I think lots of parents are worried about that. And I can totally understand why, because Absolutely. I would be as well. So it's information and it's support, isn't it? And you've essentially just declared that, that entire teen market. And I know you're obviously starting female non-binary to begin with um but clearly your market size is absolutely enormous and you're in the business of delivering quality information and also mm-hmm. up, essentially upselling support and even upselling support because of the the questions element is obviously just there for everyone but essentially giving support um where do your revenues come from Good question. At the moment, um, it's just the shop. So the yeah. like commission that we can earn on the affiliate links um, because we are a free app and we, um, you know, we launched intentionally as a free app because firstly, we wanted yeah. to know that people were going to use this. People are going to download it and actually not just download it and then maybe open it once and never come back to it. Whereas we know from our like retention rates um, and mm. daily active users and all of that, that they are using it and they're loving it. So 
you know, we're super glad that we started as a free app and that was always the intention. And then the intention was always to turn on subscription as you have to do with, Mm. you know, all of these things, especially in the app world. And so we will be turning that on later this year. Yes, yeah, 2023, later this year, um, end of Q3. And that will be, you know, obviously targeting parents essentially um, to to pay for the premium version of it. So um, it's obviously like a tried and tested model. And we have to do it as well because, you know, obviously there'll be a lot of people that say like, oh, it was a free app, like, why can't I still keep using Luna for free? And, you know, at the end of the day, everyone costs money. Obviously, people that, you know, the tech team, very expensive. The medics, you know, we pay all of our medics um, for the content they create, the questions that they answer. Um, And, yeah, you can't just run on air forever, I'm afraid. (laughs) So, um, so yeah, we'll be turning on, like, a a nominal subscription. Well, it's 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 an exchange of value, isn't it? Absolutely. If you think like parents pay for Spotify, Netflix, all of the above, you know, all of those kind of apps. So and obviously it was not going to be anywhere near the kind of whatever Netflix is now, 1099 or whatever it is, um, you know, that kind of monthly um, subscription. It will be, you know, as as affordable and accessible as possible. So, um, you know, we can get Luna into the hands as as many teenagers across the world as possible. Yeah, I can also see a world with this where when you're in that game of addressing a market that size and you're essentially capturing the attention of that many people, there is for me partly this element of there's nothing stopping you translating into every language on earth and capturing Mm -hmm. every teenager on earth as well. Like the market size is just so unbelievably large, but when you get across a certain, uh, critical mass, I guess the business models can be so wildly broad and all over the place. They can be different for different regions, different countries, different, we're in, we're in an era and this is partly the downfall of, of what we've already talked about, which is that we're in an, an attention economy and actually where mm-hmm. the business model of a free TikTok app means that you can capture those teens for free and you are basically a search engine with user-generated content that costs you nothing. And all of a sudden, that's how people are getting your inf- their information. Actually, there probably comes a point where you think, well, <laughs> we could end up competing with that because at the end of the day, like if we can get the ad revenue that they can get or whatever revenue that they get on all their various models, like... There's nothing stopping you changing your mind. It's the superpower of every entrepreneur to change their mind and all uh, all the rest oh, of it yeah. for lots of different things. And so, yes, while that might be the model now for various reasons, there's nothing yeah. stopping you when you've translated into 50 languages and acquired a few million users that you're like, well, hey, we can actually go toe-to-toe with them here by going free and doing something completely different in terms of our business model because we've got the numbers. Absolutely. And so. Yeah, there's there's lots of different things that this opens up to. But I, I guess my question related to that is the fact that, you know, TikTok is free and they aren't regulating regulating or stopping the types of content that can deliver misinformation and therefore it can go very far. Given your experience in this, in this field with what that's doing for mental health of teens and teens relationship with their own health and things like that what do you what do you see as the role of big tech right now what do you see the role of tiktok as a platform or if you look at what youtube Mm. are doing with everything that they're doing far more proactively or even yeah definitely twitter and x and facebook or like what like instagram like what do you see the role of big tech is or the responsibility of big tech at the moment i personally think they do need to be held account. And I totally get it that they are businesses. This is a capitalist society and they're in it to make money. And I completely get that. But I think it comes with the big caveat of making money from basically, you know, like you said, with the algorithms that these these platforms use, like the fact that they're sending users into often quite dark places 
Mm. And they are then profiting off that. I personally don't think that is responsible business. And Mm. I think you can have both. I do think, and I really hope that Luna will be the kind of, like you say, sort of movement, but also like one of the, the tech companies that do show that you can have both like profit, but also a purpose and not Mm. be exploiting people for that fact. Because to me, it feels like some of these big tech platforms, it is exploitation in a way because they are allowing content on the platform, which is dangerous. Like it's not even just incorrect like it's often dangerous and then like you say you know making money off the back of the ad revenue from that and to me it just doesn't sit well like I just think it feels disingenuous and it also it just shouldn't be allowed and I really do think places like YouTube where they you know they are making a conscious effort with things as like you said before the health shelf and you know, making content that is verified and accurate more readily available than the rubbish that isn't, that for me feels like the way to go. And they are showing then that you can get ad revenue. You know, they 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 make so much every year, like, but they're doing it in a way that is positive for for everyone involved. And, you know, often the people that are suffering the most are the vulnerable populations. And in in this instance, especially with TikTok, it is the younger generation. And I often think that they don't realise themselves the damage that is potentially causing, especially in the longer term, because at the time they're enjoying it, they're seeing funny cat videos. But then every so often, you know, if the algorithm picks up that you've potentially searched weight loss tips or something like that, you get thrown a curveball and and then the sort of spiral into, you know, those kind of doom scrolling of, of various mm. videos happens. And, yeah, I do personally think there is a real responsibility of these these companies. And, you know, they were the ones that introduced this to our world and not even that long ago. So I think they have to be accountable for the longer term ramifications of it. It's not it's not down to anyone else. Like it, it shouldn't mm. f- have to fall on the part of the consumer because ultimately it wasn't the consumer that put them there in the first place, if you see what I mean. So I do. I'd be I interested do. to see where these platforms go. Yeah, definitely. Because it's not the fault of the consumer who is searching in good faith for an answer to a health query to be then fed something exactly, that is yeah. misinformation because the the user mm-hmm. in your example the teen that is searching for weight loss is searching that in good faith but it's not complex enough to realize the age of the person the query itself even that doesn't match up and what the person needs isn't directly actually what they're searching for they need some other type of help because mm. you shouldn't be searching for that sort of stuff at that certain age if you're a certain cohort or whatever and and there's so and that's the problem there's so much complexity when it comes to healthcare and healthcare content which yeah. is why it is why that I, I do admire what they are trying to do at YouTube and are doing at YouTube. It, yeah, it, same. It, because it's self-driven. And I think that's the thing when you've got a, a big tech platform that isn't being held to account by any regulator. It's interesting because the, those that then do take it upon themselves to behave in the right way with the, with the integrity needed to deliver what's actually most useful for the principal rather than the profit in my view that that's Mm. actually brand you're basically just growing brand in the right way you're associating Mm -hmm. your brand with the right principles and the right messages and doing the right thing which i would always hope is the long-term play and the the good long-term decision of any business to put purpose over profit you would hope that um, that doing the right thing leads to leads to that, but but even very on a very practical level, 
it's meant that I've mentioned YouTube twice, three times in this conversation because of what they're doing. And therefore the people that yeah. listen know that that is what they are doing over other platforms that are not mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. And so I think it does overall and over time have those benefits and I would only hope that it does so. Um, my question, my next question before I start letting you go is, um, whereabouts are you guys right now as a business in terms of, you mentioned daily active users and weekly active users, that type of thing. I mean, you don't have to be too specific with that sort of stuff, but like, whereabouts are you now? Where are you in your fundraising journey? Like, where are you with all of those features that you mentioned and anything new coming out? And yeah, talk to me about where you're at now and what the future looks like for Luna. Yeah, so it's a is a really busy time. I was so did catch my reflection in this video, and I was like, "Wow, my eyes look tired." <laughs> oh. um, and I think that is just uh, the the life the life of a of a founder and co founder really is that. Yeah, it's a super busy time because we are sort of mid fundraise. Um, we are um, well, hopefully wrapping it up this this month, which would be ideal. But the thing is, with startups, it feels like you're always fundraising. So no matter, you know, once we finish this one, get all the cash in the bank, I'm sure we'll have to start thinking about the next one as well. But that's, you know, a 2024 problem, hopefully. So um, yeah, we're just wrapping up a fundraise that we're doing at the moment, which has um, gone really well. It's like, we're really pleased with, with, with the progress that we've made. And um, really great that a lot of our original angels who backed us last year, because we did another fundraise last year, um, are backing us again so to us you know that was really like a big moment because it feels like you know they really do believe in us as founders yeah, and and the business as well so um so yeah we're fundraising at the moment um soon to be wrapped up and the aim um really of that fundraise is to kind of use that for luna 2.0 as we sort of call internally so we have mm. obviously the app on the app store and it's very much like our mvp which we've been adding new features to um ever since but now um, the plan toward the end of the year and into 2024 is to kind of um, work on Luna 2.0. And as I alluded to earlier, the, sub- the subscription sorry, element of it will, will be coming in. But along with that, there'll be some really cool new features as well. Um, one of them is actually launching tomorrow, which I personally am really excited about because I feel like this is a feature that, well, when I was that age, would have absolutely loved but also when speaking to our users it's highly highly requested and they get so excited about it and it's basically we're calling it a you review so every month our users will get a personalized insight into their month on Luna so there's a very popular streaming platform that does it once a year um, into your (laughs) music listening choices Spotify yeah other other ones are available yeah that's the one and um we have basically taken the tracker you know the questions asked everything to do with luna and we've packaged it up so actually you know it will be a monthly insight into you know how you've been feeling what what's triggered you how many Mm. days you were bleeding like what's your skin been like and actually playing back action full data and insights to our users so instead of just tracking saying oh today i felt happy today i felt happy today i felt sad at the end of each month you'll then be told you know this is how many times you felt sad and these were the reasons and here's some recommended things that we think will help you to feel maybe a little less sad next month um so yeah i'm super excited about it because i think it's one of those things that we're going to keep evolving and keep adding you know, new insights too, based on what our, our, our users, you know, feed, feedback to us. But um, yeah, and it's the first time we're going to be like recommending content to to our users. And, you know, for us, that's huge because at the moment it is just we publish new content every day. But at the moment it is just a, a whole catalogue of content. Whereas mm. now based on your activity on Luna, you'll have recommended content for you. So if you have been tracking like I say, that you've been feeling really sad or anxious for the majority of the month, we'll be able to recommend you Luna content that, you know, helps to conquer that, which, yeah, I'm super excited about and we are launching tomorrow. So um, fingers crossed that all goes well. But um, yeah, the main thing really is is working on that Luna 2.0 ready for, yeah, the subscription element to land later this year. I think that's great. I think 
I really like that because of what you said, it's actionable advice and the recommended content side of things. You're sort of paying back the individual for the time they have taken to enter in all of that stuff by giving them back something that is clearly curated and actually teaches them something about themselves because, hey, we all know that part of being a teenager and part of just life is actually just continually learning about yourself and trying to quantify all this stuff. It took me 30 years to realize that actually, hey, having a beer after work actually knocks off my mental health quite significantly for like a week afterwards and only sort of clicks afterwards of like, oh, maybe alcohol is actually really terrible for me as an individual. (laughs) Like you go through your entire (laughs) 20s just like not blissfully unaware of that. And actually... You know, having those individuals having taken the time to input their mood and input all of these different things to then learn something about themselves that can then empower them to control their health better, make them feel better as individuals, both from a physical, emotional, mental health perspective is incredible. And the fact that they're learning that early is wonderful because it is such a difficult time in life, as we all know. So mm-hmm. I think I think it's great. So, Joe, listen, it's been oh, an absolute pleasure you. having you on. Oh, no, it's been brilliant. I really enjoyed the conversation. No, me too. Me too. If people want to learn more about Luna, if they want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do so? Good question. We are across the majority of the social platforms. So um, (laughs) you can find us. But yeah, obviously, you can find us on Instagram um, at we are Luna app. Um, Same with TikTok and um, me personally, my LinkedIn is always open. Um, so yeah, just Joe Goodall on on LinkedIn. Um, or um, yeah, what else have we got? I think that's the main ones, isn't it? <laughs> cool. You got Facebook. got to be competing. For <laughs> I don't know if anyone uses against Facebook the, against anymore. the misinformation, haven't you? <laughs> Um, but yeah, Joe, I'll say it's been a pleasure. I do encourage everybody to have a look at this. If you've got kids, if you're worried about what they're going to be accessing online and you want to give them space to learn new things, ask questions and track how they feel, which I'm reading directly from your website, this is the best place to do so. So Joe, thank you. Hey everyone. Thanks for listening and making it all the way to the end of this episode. Remember to subscribe, rate us and leave a review and you can head to the description of this episode to follow me on all of my social media so you don't miss out on any of the latest health tech content.